You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 32, airing on April 9th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to engage and develop others without relying on authority or sanctions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, Improving your skills will drive your success, and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is how to do on-the-job training. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from our studio out here in Orange County, California. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. And hey, you know how you've heard that you should treat people well, support them, develop them, listen to them, but that's not what really happens in your organization. Well, this show is here to help, to take what you want to do and to put it into action using some simple steps to follow. So we're going to be continuing to do that today. And it's said that the smallest act is worth more than the grandest intention. And so many of us as leaders have great intentions of how to add value to the people we lead and the organization that we serve. And we're all about taking that intention that we all have and putting action behind it. So I'm so glad to be back with you here this week to Uh, provide some more tools and resources in order to do that. And before jumping in this week, I did want to welcome our listeners from the Stitcher Radio Network. Uh, The Stitcher Radio Network has picked us up this week, uh, this past week, as a show and part of their business channel. And so thank you for uh, folks who are joining us for the first time from Stitcher. And hey, if you are joining us from the first time, uh, whether you're from Stitcher or if you just happen to find us on iTunes or BlackBerry or one of the other resources, hey, drop us a line in the comments section of our website at coachingforleaders.com. I'd love to get introduced to you, hear about how you found the show, and most importantly, what we can do to be of value to you in future episodes. And if you are just joining us, we are in the midst of a series on training. Episode number 32 weeks ago was talking about some of the mistakes that leaders tend to make when sending people to training. Last week in episode number 31, we looked at what are five ways that you can effectively train people. So you may want to hop back and take a listen to those as well. But today's episode number 32 is all about how to do on-the-job training. Now, you may remember last episode, we did cover this very briefly, but uh, I I blew through it pretty fast. And so there's actually a lot more there that I want to make sure that we do because this is something that every leader can do. And you can do it without a lot of resources as far as needing to... um, purchase things or invest a lot of resources into on-the-job training, but you do have to think through how to do it. And so today, I'm going to walk you through the five key steps that you'll need to do in order to really get the most bang for the buck as far as the time and the effort you put into 
on-the-job training of others. And so as you're listening, if you have feedback for me about today's show, or if you have questions on anything that I bring up, you can hop onto our website, coachingforleaders.com, and leave comments there on this episode, number 32. Or you can call in a feedback or a question to our listener hotline. That is 949-38-LEARN. So again, 949-38-LEARN. And email is a great way to reach out to us too. Our email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So let's take a look at how to do on-the-job training. And I mentioned in the last episode that on-the-job training can be very helpful and a great tool for leaders to use because it lends itself to situations where you don't have as much time and resources and where perhaps you have one or two people that you are trying to get up to speed on something, uh, but you don't have a whole group of people. And so it just doesn't make sense to invest the time into putting together a class or an entire training program. But it really is still essential for this person uh, or, or, or maybe a, a number of individuals to still get whatever it is they're learning well and to make sure that they understand it well. And that's why on-the-job training can be a really important tool. And if done well, it is also one of the best things you can do as a leader to coach others and to help develop them and to contribute to their careers. And so if you can get this skill down and do it with some consistency when you're working with people, uh, people not only will really enjoy being led by you more, but they will look back on their time with you as a as someone who led them as time that was very valuable. So let's look at exactly what you'd want to do in getting someone up to speed, doing some on-the-job training. And if you do these five things, I think you're probably hitting about 98% of the things you need to do in order to do this well. So to start off, uh, step number one really is to spend some time to prepare what it is that you're going to do. Now, uh, you know, in every organization these days, uh, so many of us are being challenged with, uh, you know, less budget, fewer time, and and also a lot more expectations on the things that we need to get done. So I know that time comes at a premium of investing any kind of time. Unfortunately, though, if we don't spend any time thinking through how we're going to do the on-the-job training that we are planning, we really are setting ourselves up for failure. And in fact, we're probably going to end up spending more time in the long run if we don't spend a little bit of time thinking through in advance the steps for on-the-job training. And so uh, step one is really to think about and to consider in the preparation step, what kind of time do you need in order to bring this person up to speed and whatever it is that they're going to be learning? Um, What kind of uh, things are you going to need to block out in your schedule? And in my experience, whatever you're working with people and trying to teach them new skills, however long you think it's going to take, double it. So if you think it's really going to take uh, an hour and a half, I would block three hours of your schedule. Hey, you know, if you end up only needing the hour and a half, not a problem. You've got extra time. But most of the time, uh, you know, we think about it from our perspective. We think about it from our perspective as far as, uh, you know, explaining it, kind of going through the steps, watching them do it. 
And we don't think about all the questions they're going to ask and how what kind of dialogue that's going to bring up. And so, uh, so plan more time than you think you're actually going to need. And if you don't plan this out in advance as far as time, you're either going to probably end up making one of two mistakes. You're either going to uh, kind of sell out the other per- sell the other person short um, because you're not going to be able to dedicate the time that it really is going to take to do it well. Or uh, you are going to spend that time, but you're going to impact other business operations or other um, folks that you have commitments to lead in the organization, and you're not going to spend the time that you've dedicated to them. So just make sure you spend some time doing that in advance. And uh, by the way, along with preparation goes coaching the rest of the team, particularly if you are bringing on someone new into your organization, and this is someone you're maybe leading uh, as a new member of the team, you want to spend at least a couple of minutes just uh, coaching other folks on the team and letting them know that you're not going to be as available as you normally would be. So uh, if folks are used to having a lot of access to you as a leader and you're going to be investing a bunch of your time and resources into doing some on-the-job training, uh, you need to let people know in advance that uh, you know things are going to be you know actually going to get a little worse before they get better as far as having you know s- staff and everyone available. So make sure to set that expectation with others, and then of course uh, prepare in advance. We talked about this last week. What do we want people actually walking out of the room doing differently? And the other question I would have you pose yourself pose to yourself as a leader is what's the organizational outcome that you want? by teaching this skill of whatever skill it is you are teaching. So case in point, uh, early in my career, I worked for a company that was a subsidiary of the Washington Post company. We were a small uh, education business. And the um, and one of the responsibilities that all of us had who were directors of uh, centers is that we were responsible for training uh, full-time people and at least one person in every location on inventory. And making sure that the inventory, that the, the centers were stocked, that we had all the right tools and resources, that we never ran out of anything. You know, the normal, the normal types of responsibilities with running inventory. Well, uh, I guess it was probably about a year into my tenure that someone figured out uh, at the Washington Post company that we, uh, our, the division of our company was spending something like five times the amount of office supplies per person than any other division of their company. And if you know anything about the Washington Post company, they they do, they have a lot of offices and they need a lot of office supplies. So it was a little bit embarrassing for us. Actually, it was beyond a little bit embarrassing for us as a, div- as a division that we were spending so much money on office supplies. And so once we did some digging into it, what people found is that the directors of locations were training people on how to do ordering and inventory, but they were sort of missing the larger point of the process, which is actually training people on how to manage resources well and how to manage towards a budget. Uh, and so, yes, the the leaders in the locations that were supposed to be doing on-the-job training and teaching people how to run inventory were technically doing the pieces, like the logistical pieces, as far as teaching people how to fill out the order forms, how to figure out what they needed, all that. Uh, yeah, That's the easy part. Anyone can do that. The hard part is being able to anticipate needs and being able to manage resources in a way that aligns to budgetary constraints. That part wasn't done. So even though the on-the-job training happened well, 
the organizational outcome was disastrous. We ended up wasting a ton of money on these office supplies and inventory that most of the locations didn't need. And at the time, the company wasn't doing especially well. So it was really a big impact operations. So make sure when you're preparing is not just thinking, well, what do I want to see? What kind of actions do I want to see this person doing? But at the end of the day, what's the organizational outcome that I want this person to be able to contribute to? Because that may change how you approach what it is you're going to do next. So that takes us down to the second step, which is being able to demonstrate when you're doing on-the-job training. So if you're teaching someone a new skill or a new behavior, you want to fully demonstrate what it is that you're training first before you start jumping in and kind of explaining the process to them. And I say that because oftentimes the um, oftentimes the temptation is for us as leaders to um, walk someone through something. So say we're teaching a skill or you know a, a process or a procedure of how to do something and we we kind of walk the person through it and we say, okay, here's the first thing I do, here's the second thing I do. And the problem with that is that we want when we're teaching someone how to do something, we don't want them to see the training process as the uh, as the ultimate goal. We want them to see the end result as the ultimate goal. So what I challenge you to do is when you're demonstrating something for the first time is to really step out of the training role, do it the way you would normally do. So if you're training someone on how to interact with a customer well, have that customer interaction the same way you always would and ask the other party just to watch and observe. They need to see what the re- what the end result looks like. They need to see what the normal process is that you would go through to do something successfully and really resist that temptation to train as you go. And and I would challenge you even to have the other have the person you're training uh, take some notes, watch carefully, and even tell them, you know, when I'm done demonstrating this, what I want to do, what I want would like you to do is tell me what you saw. And that brings us down to the third step here, which is to do some explanation. So once you have fully demonstrated what it is that you're training and you've uh, you've not you know explained it as you've gone, what you want to do is start off with asking the other party what it is that they saw. Now there's a couple of reasons for doing this, but the biggest one and the biggest benefit to you as a leader is you know right away what it is that they gained and that they absorbed as they were watching you, but you also want to be listening for what it is that they don't say. So if there's a key skill or a key piece of what it is that you want someone to be doing who's learning this skill or behavior and they don't see, they don't tell you that they saw that, then that's a great indicator to you as a leader that either you didn't do a good enough job um, of showing it, or maybe they didn't do a good enough job of paying attention, but somewhere along the way, there's a communication breakdown. Now, the reason you want to know that now is because rather than having the person start to do it and develop bad habits and then have to go back and recorrect them later, it's a lot easier if you can upfront, even before you have them starting to do this, of really going through an explanation of what all the important pieces are. And so, What you want to do is once you've gotten a feel for what it is they really saw and what they've absorbed, 
then walk through the behavior or skill step by step. So then you can kind of go through and talk through what it is they saw. You can add in your perspective from a leadership standpoint and your experience here. And one of the things that I would certainly suggest doing is to use storytelling. Storytelling is the language of leaders. And storytelling is such a powerful tool to be able to get a message across. It's so important, in fact, that we're going to do a series on storytelling here sometime this year. But, but, but the key with storytelling is to give examples. So rather than just walking through kind of step by step, if you can point out examples of past situations where you have uh, done something or something's happened as a result of applying it in the specific way that you've done it, um, walk that through, explain to that person, have them benefit from the experience and the guidance that you have by virtue of the fact that you've done it before. And you have that perspective as a leader. So walk through all of that step by step. This is also the point, too, where if somebody missed something, if they didn't say that they saw something that's really a key component to the process, you want to make sure to highlight that. Uh, Make sure to point out that this is something that's also really key that they want to make sure to keep in mind when they are practicing this behavior or skill. And then, of course, you want to do some planning then on how they're going to apply it. So part of the explanation process here is having some dialogue about where is this person going to apply this skill. Now, if it doesn't involve anyone else and it's it's just the two of you and they're learning a skill that doesn't involve you know interaction with a customer or a colleague, then you know you potentially you do that right away um, and you look for the opportunity immediately. More often than not, though, if you're doing on-the-job training, usually it is a more complex skill, and it may involve uh, uh, something they would be doing with a customer, or it may involve something they'd be doing with a colleague or another uh, person, a colleague in a different business unit. And so plan out where it is that they're going to apply it. What's the first time that they're going to get a crack at this and an opportunity to uh, demonstrate what it is that you know they've learned and that they've practiced? So, um, and here's where coaching really comes in. So once you actually get to the point where they are applying it is, uh, you want to find an opportunity for them to do this the first time where they're more than likely going to have success with it. So for example, let's say you're teaching the skill of how to handle a customer complaint and it just so happens that you know that the customer who is the biggest jerk is going to be calling in or coming in that day, that is not the person to set them up with for their first interaction of practicing this skill. Is it an opportunity to apply it? Sure. But if if they're going to be put in a situation that they are going to have a very, very difficult time being successful that's going to really impact their motivation and their commitment to want to further learn the skill if they don't have success the first time out. Now, you can't always control for this. Um, I have seen situations where, um, you know, and I've had this happen where I've set up what I thought was a very uh, successful, would be a very successful situation and something happened and either we didn't anticipate it and it just didn't end up being successful. So, you know, you have to go with the flow on this a little bit. Life's not always uh, perfectly predictable. Actually, life is almost never perfectly predictable. But, um, but you also know as a leader, 
you you know generally what are going to be tougher situations, what are situations that are going to likely go easier. So pick the easier situations first. And then what I'd also suggest possibly doing, if this the situation allows for it, is set some expectations with whoever else is involved with the interaction. Um, and I've worked in several organizations where uh, role-playing and observation um, was very much a part of the business norm. And it was often the case where uh, multiple people would come into an interaction with a customer and one person would be there observing and one person would be there actually facilitating the meeting or the conversation or whatever. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, talking to a colleague or a customer and saying, you know, we're doing some training and uh, we'd actually like to have someone come in and observe the interaction. Is that okay with you? And by the way, would it even be okay with you if the person who's more experienced jumped in on occasion and just gave some feedback and, and provided direction? And anytime I've seen that happen and that dialogue happen up front, 99% of the time, people are fine with that. Um, you know, they understand that people learn in organizations and, and train. But if you don't have that conversation up front and you take time to coach someone or um, or you're you're doing something that is, you know, uh, you know, out of the ordinary, um, that could frustrate the other party. So if you can set expectations with that up front, do so. And I say that as well, too, because one of the things that I try to do anytime I'm at this step is I want to do some in the moment coaching if I can and if the situation allows for it. Now, it doesn't always and it's not always appropriate to do this. But if the person that you are training and the other whoever else is involved in the situation is comfortable with you doing this, I would set the expectation in advance that I'd like to do some in the moment coaching. So one of the things that you can do is when you see something going happening that isn't as effective as it could be, or there's a different way someone could do something, is to make the choice to engage in the moment versus waiting until later on after the interaction has occurred. Now, the benefit of engaging in the moment is that you are able to catch the mistake as it's happening and redirect right away. And that way you don't have the person learns in the moment uh, very quickly and doesn't start to pick up something as a bad habit. The other benefit too is they'll actually remember it versus if it is talked about 30 minutes later, they may not even remember what it is that they did. And of course, follow that up with praise. So when someone does make the shift then in the change and does something a little differently, praise them for doing it, saying, good job, that's that's exactly what I intended. Now, again, this is impossible in every situation, and I know in every organization, there are organizations where this would not fly. Uh, you know, giving people feedback as they were doing something uh, wouldn't go. That said, I challenge you as a leader to set an environment with your team and set expectations where that starts to become okay. So if that's not okay in your organization, in your team now, and you have the flexibility to do that as a leader, I would challenge you to do so because the more you're doing coaching in the moment, the more dialogue you're having is that it be, your job becomes so much easier as a leader because people learn faster. They are more in touch with what it is that you are thinking and planning. And performance reviews aren't a surprise then. Your performance reviews just become a formality. Uh, I hear constantly people complain about how the leaders, they hate the performance review process. Well, a lot of the time, it's because they haven't talked to anyone 
during the last six months or a year since the last performance review. If you're coaching in the moment, the performance review just becomes a formality because there's an ongoing dialogue about what it is you're continually learning and what it is that you can do more effectively. Now, once the interaction's complete, then you get to the feedback step. And this is the last step of the process. Um, Of course, you want to spend some time reviewing the situation. And the way that that should start is ask the person you're training for their feedback. What do they think they did well? And what also did they think that maybe they did that did not work as effectively as it could have? And again, a few benefits of doing that for both of you. One is it gets them thinking about what they uh, what they did well, and it helps to build their confidence level um, because a lot of times people will focus on the things they didn't do well. That's that's kind of what people will say. Well, I you know I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I didn't do that. So you really do want to direct people to certainly say what they didn't do well, but really get people thinking about what they did do well also, and you know ask people and don't let them get away with not telling you what it is. Find something that they did well. Have them find it because that is going to build their confidence level. And the more and more they build their confidence level, the more and more that they're going to attempt it again, they're going to learn faster and they're going to be able to do it successfully. And of course, um, praise. So when, when they've done things that are effective and particularly ones that you agree with, praise them for that. And I know sometimes this is hard. <laughs> I've been in situations where uh, someone bombed an interaction just entirely. And it is really hard sometimes to find something they did well. But um, at the very least, praise them for attempting. You know, you can always say that and, and say that genuinely. You know, I appreciate the effort you put into this and that you tried to do it. I know you didn't get the result you wanted. Um, that's okay to say. That happens to all of us. But do say something positive uh, about what they did or thank them for the effort they put in. And if something, of course, didn't work, talk about it. If they don't hear from you what it is that didn't work, they're going to assume it was fine. So in some ways, you almost make the situation worse by not saying anything because um, silence is considered that, you know, is considered uh, uh, that everything went okay. So if it didn't work, you do need to address it and you do need to talk about it. So make sure that that comes up in the conversation. And then this is the point where you'll then decide where you need to go back to an earlier step. It may be that they did the interaction brilliantly and the next step is for them to start doing it more independently. And you might just step back to the coaching step once in a while and maybe do a little more observation, occasionally do some coaching. Now, if something really didn't go well, or you feel like, or that person feels like they need a lot more direction, you might step all the way back to the prepare step. So you might think, okay, well, gosh, you know, I'm going to need to put a lot more time into this than I was anticipating with this person. Um, You know, what's the outcome I really do want from this now? Uh, How's that different than what I was planning before? So you may go all the way back to that first step and then have to rethink rethink things. And a good leader is willing to be flexible is follows a process like this, but is also willing to be flexible and jump around to the places that they need to go. And this is where leaders get in trouble. They don't think through these five steps and they end up missing big pieces. And if you miss big pieces here, I think you'll see, you've seen as we've gone through this explanation here that you really do sell people short. 
And so if you are going to be doing on-the-job training, make sure to spend the time preparing, demonstrate it fully, go through the process of explaining what happened. Um, If you can, coach in the moment. That'll provide tremendous value to them. And then, of course, provide feedback. And speaking of providing feedback, uh, this is the point in the show where I uh, transition to talking about some community news and feedback. So um, as, as I do so, um, one thing to keep in mind is that if you are planning to put this model into practice that I have just walked through, and by the way, the details of this model are on our website, coachingforleaders.com. So you can go there for all of the uh, written version of it. Um, I'd love to hear about what it is that you applied, uh, what results you saw. So definitely reach out to me with any uh, feedback or news about how that has worked out for you. And again, you can do that at coachingforleaders.com or our feedback hotline is 949-38-LEARN. And of course, email is always a great way to do that too. Feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And this week, I uh, just wanted to mention the names of a few people here who have uh, either sent tweets, mentioned the show, um, hopped on our Facebook page, and made comments about uh, topics, uh, and that would include Evelina, Karen, Scott, Helena. Thank you so much for taking the time to jump on and interact with me and interact with the show community here. I'm so glad to have had you jump in and Uh, join our community that we've created here at Coaching for Leaders. And I also did want to mention that we do now also have a site set up for comments and uh, and for all the content that is coming from Coaching for Leaders, not only this show, but blog posts and future videos. It used to be when you went to coachingforleaders.com, some of you uh, may remember this, that it directed you just kind of to a subset of our uh, our organization's website, Innovate Learning. And now we have our own website. So I'm pleased to tell you that it, a much better design is coming. Uh, the design is pretty basic right now, but we are going to be doing a much better design on this. In the meantime, though, the important piece, the notes, all the resources are up there, and you can even jump on the site and add in comments. So right below any of the notes, if you have comments or questions or want to engage this, the members of this community in dialogue, you can do so. So just hop over to coachingforleaders.com and stay tuned for the future because lots more is coming uh, and we're going to be doing much more with the website to really support your success in helping ma- others maximize their potential. Hey, I also wanted to say thank you again for those of you who have hopped onto iTunes and left us a review. If this show's been helpful to you and you use iTunes, uh, just direct your web browser to coachingforleaders.com forward slash iTunes. That will take you to our iTunes page. You can leave us a review there. And thank you in advance if you do decide to do that. Hey, the link to the show notes is on our website. This is episode number 32 at coachingforleaders.com. This show airs every Monday, so tune in right here again next week for another show. And if you or your organization is looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, let us know. We might be able to help you out. You can reach us at 949-38-LEARN or feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today, take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Take care, everybody.